Welcome to the Eclectic Game Burners Podcast. Today is Sunday, February 10th. This is episode 81, and I'm Tony. And I'm Dennis, but Tony, I can't see you. Yes, I know. It's terrible. Where, where are you? separate. Where I'm are so you? lonely. It's so quiet. Separate but equal. Oh, wait. No, never mind. <laughs> we don't go there. So we're, we're remote from each other this time, and we have a number of topics. So we're not going to do 20 questions because that works better in person anyway. Yeah. But we do have a lot of news in the video game and pinball side to go through. However, before we start with that, we're going to do what we usually do, which would be our introductory period. So, Tony, I guess, what's been going on since the last podcast? Uh, I, uh, I'm i a broken record. Uh, I work constantly, and I'm actually supposed to go and plow snow here tonight after what I'm snow? done. Yeah, I know. I don't know why, but the snow people called and said, hey, we need the guys there at 9 o'clock tonight for the overnight. So, I'm on call. I'm on base, I guess, is what you would consider it. It's on ex- it's extreme standby. I don't know. It's hmm. weird. I haven't actually been playing a whole lot of anything uh, lately. I've been playing some Battletech, and I haven't streamed anything, and I haven't played any of the games I was going to stream because I haven't had that much time. Because uh, normally when I stream, I want to have you know one to two hours where I can sit down and do stuff. And right. pretty much the only games I've played are games where I can stand up and walk away from it for 30 or 40 minutes at a time because... I just, everything's been crazy and I've been doing so many different things lately. And then today was supposed, or yesterday was supposed to be my first day off in three weeks. So I took off yesterday and, uh, had the total intention of doing nothing except for maybe streaming yesterday. And then the wife's car broke down. So I ended up spending the whole day looking at that and, getting annoyed so yeah that's going to be a a a non-trivial non-cheap issue oh so it's not like a belt snapped no that's what i had hoped for no instead what happened she was leaking coolant and we finally found the leak um it looks like the gasket around the timing belt cover gave way so we're going to have to, at the bare minimum, replace the gasket on the timing belt cover, which means grand total you're looking at right there, fifteen bucks. Right, right. But, it's a piece of rubber. Uh, right, but at the same time, we have to basically disassemble the entire front side of the engine to get to it. Okay. So that's lots of time, and then you have to look and well. Once you get it off, is the water pump good, or will you be better off replacing the water pump? Well, there's fifty dollars. And depending upon how bad a shape the timing belt cover is in, if there's a lot of pitting from it rusting up from the water, uh, from the antifreeze and everything escaping, you'll have to replace that. And that's $300. So no matter what, this is going to be in a massive amount of time and we need a bunch of parts. The question is just, is it going to be lots of time and not horribly expensive or is this going to be like huge? Right. Ouch. That's not very good at all. This is why I have, this is why we maintain an extra vehicle so that yes. we have a spare, which unfortunately it's so cold. It's the only time of the year my spare doesn't like to run and it doesn't have a heater. So of course everything happens when it's cold. Of course. That's of course. just how it is. That's life. It is. It is. That's how life finds a way in the cold. Yes. 
So what have you been up to? Well, Hopefully it's better than me. Well, uh, I mean, I guess it's all relative, but also, yeah, overall, I'm, I'm pretty sure my car's doing okay still. So I've got that going for me. Uh, game wise, I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2. I just started that up earlier this week. There's a lot of horses in it. So I've been riding a lot of ponies and I've continued to stream Hollow Knight. I didn't do it today, but I did it yesterday and I did it over the weekend last week and last week. Well, I guess now, two weeks ago, since we're on Sunday, I did not stream pinball at all. I was too tired. I meant to do it Wednesday, and I just I sat back down and said, I don't want to stand. And then Thursday, I was getting the stuff ready, and I thought, I don't want to do it now either. <laughs> and thinking, well, maybe Tony will stream, so it won't be a big deal. And then Friday came around, I was like, I still don't want to stream, so I'm just not going to. So this is awesome to be able to make choices like that choice. You know, life is a series of choices. I mean, I never, I like trying to be consistent with things, but obviously unlike where we stick very well with the podcast schedule, I don't want to get into the situation where I feel obligated to have to stream. Right. Um, But this last week I did, I felt fine. I felt okay doing it. So they weren't two hour streams, but they were over an hour each. So I did that. And then uh, maybe part of that issue was that kind of midweek, I accepted a new job. So I gave my letter of resignation to my governing board, letting them know that the last day of February is the last day I will function as their interim executive director. I'm actually, my last real day is the 22nd of February. It's the Friday before. Uh, I'm taking those last four days off in case I needed time to help transition to this new group. Yeah. And the the new organization I'm shifting over to, they offered me a permanent executive director job and they are an affiliate organization to the organization I currently work for. So instead of working for this, yeah, well, a little bit. So in fact, after my executive director was not renewed to continue service, they brought me up to interim executive director. And I'm sure the theory was I would do it all the way until they put in a permanent executive director, be that me or be that someone else. And that was my intention as well. But this this opening came up uh, after I had agreed. I did not know what, you know, what was going to go on with all of that. But I mean, the bottom line is my governing board still hasn't officially started the search for the permanent executive director. And this board wanted me, you know, it just, to me, it really comes down to the fact that I think it's a good opportunity. And I kind of prefer having a governing board that actually knows they want me versus a governing board that doesn't seem to know what they want. Well, that makes complete sense uh, to me. I mean, why should you spend so much time and energy on a maybe when you have a definite thing that's been offered? Right. I mean, because in theory, the only thing I was guaranteed if I didn't get to keep interim or excuse me, I didn't get to keep executive director permanently would be I'd go back to the prior role. That at the 2018 pay level and everything like that. Well, that's, I mean, it's enough. That's fine. But I don't want to do that job anymore because I've been doing it for four years and I don't have anything new to learn. So I'm bored with it. So I want something else. Bored now. Yep. Bored now. (laughs) (laughs) Good Buffy reference for those that don't remember (laughs) the TV show, not the movie. And so, yeah, it was just, it, it was what it was. I mean, obviously they're going to be, I've been with the, my current employer for almost 17 years. So I do not jump ship at the drop of a hat. 
Um, so I don't think they'll be calling my loyalty into question, but obviously this is very inconvenient for them because they're already one staff person down. I was doing my old role and my new role. Uh, I do want to note, I did as part of my negotiations with the new organization, they gave me Texas Pinball Festival off. That was a condition that I placed because normally I wouldn't have had any vacation time because I'm starting in March and I wouldn't have earned any. Right. And, and they don't, and they actually have a rule that this is pretty standard, uh, organizational rule, no vacation for the first six months of employment. So, well, that's, I'm like, that we're going to work on. You're going to, so they actually wrote into the agreement the day I'm going to get that Thursday to go down through that Monday. Yeah. I had a situation like that back in the nineties once where I started a job and when they hired me, I had a pre-planned trip and I let them know it's like, Hey, this is great, but I'm just letting you know I will be gone from this date to this date. It's pre-planned, pre-paid for, and I wasn't going to cancel it. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to have to decline the offer. But nope, they were quite accommodating. I'll probably have more news on that um, of, around the next podcast when we're a little bit closer to my actual end because that'll be right after my last board meeting. But uh, for the time being, I'll just we'll be watching and waiting. I'm moving a whole like 20 feet down the hall. It's still based in Topeka on the same floor in the same building. Uh, I'll be able to work from home a lot more, though. So, Like I said, awkward. A, a bit, but I mean, yeah, it's a partner organization. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because that organization has a representative on the governing board. So they, of course, knew about my application and, and that I was the one they wanted from that series of interviews. So, yeah, it could be deliciously awkward. We'll find out. But, oh, well. They had well, their congratulations with well, you. Thank you. They had their opportunity. They could have made me an offer at any time. Uh, they There was no rule saying they had to do an open job search. They think it's appropriate. I don't disagree with them, but, you know, someone else wanted me, so that's just how it works. They must have known about, with- they knew about this podcast, and they're probably like, we want, we want Dennis. I was like, yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> we don't really care about his skills, but that podcast is fire. The podcast is skill. all right so uh, in terms of pinball news i basically got it categorized by five manufacturers worth of talky talk talking points Ooh, talky talk yeah this this part of the new lingo i'm working on to to put zest into our podcast so let's start with stern pinball okay uh not a whole lot really we already talked about monsters on the last episode i just wanted to note the monster pros Big shock, they're already being shipped out, and our area location, the 403 Club, just got theirs in a few days ago. I haven't tried it yet. They had the launch party yesterday. I didn't feel like driving up there and playing in it, so I didn't go. See, I'd made, and and like I'd said in my intro, I I decided, like, in the middle of last week that I wasn't going to leave the house or do anything yesterday. So I had already decided I wasn't going to that. Right. Didn't work out for me, but, you know. Yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, you still kind of stayed in, in around, I guess. But no, uh, we'll get a chance to play it probably in March. But I, it's just okay. So as usual, Stern has done an announcement, and then shortly thereafter has started to move units, pro units first, like they typically do. So it's all pretty much going as expected. I actually read that Four Hundred Three Club currently does the operator has the Monsters Premium on order. So his plan apparently is to route Monsters Pro and then replace it with the Premium. Interesting. I think he had that plan on another game once. I don't know if he ended up doing it or not. But yeah, I was a little surprised. But 
we'll, we'll see what happens because he, he doesn't have any qualms about turning around and, and selling a game off if, if he's done with it. So yeah. Uh, but anyway, Stern's got their nose to the grindstone and they're continuing to grind away. So let's go ahead and shift now over to spooky pinball. We haven't talked about, about them in a, in a little while. They, uh, I just thought this was interesting. I don't, I don't actually listen to their, their monthly podcast. So I read about this after the fact, uh, from this week in pinball, I believe they mentioned that there was a discussion that they were having on one of their episodes about doing a theme called killer clowns from outer space. Oh, geez. But that they didn't, they liked the idea, but they didn't think that it would sell well enough to actually do as a theme, but they had a little bit of a discussion on it. So your, your comment. Is already giving me a clue as to where this is going for you, but I wanted to know what will your th- what are your thoughts on Killer Clowns from Outer Space as a pinball theme? We've had a discussion before on the use of uh, cult licenses for uh, pinball machines and whether which ones are a big enough cult following to work and which ones aren't. Uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space is not in any way, shape, or form. It is one of those movies that I saw like in one of those back when TBS or TNT always did their really bad B-movie Saturday roll things. And it's not good. It's not even, it doesn't even have the humor value of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes or, or, or the sheer silliness of like Night of the Lepus. It's just, I don't think it's a, that good. Um, so yeah, no, there's no way I, I can't, I mean, I can understand their thought that it, that's the same w- way along my thoughts that, you know, uh, uh, about other games that would, or other movies and things that would be fun and could, you could do fun things with, but it would have zero selling factor. Um, I think they definitely made the right choice on, in the realization that there is no way that game would sell at all. Yeah, I I agree with you and I agree with them that the I don't think the theme has broad enough appeal. It's it's got cult classic status, but again, even amongst the cult classic if you start like asking people name their top twenty known cult classic movies, I don't think Killer Clowns ends up in the list. No, but, I don't think so. I mean maybe on some people's personal list, but not not in a in a broad general public sense. I'd almost wonder if, you know, they don't have to do a 500 unit run like there seems to kind of be the model at this point i mean tna obviously they ended up kind of stopping at 550 but alice cooper's at 500 you know i wondered maybe if they kept it to more like the america's most haunted level of 150 but then i'm again i don't think i don't know how much the license would cost probably not much but it may you have to question your like what economy of scale you can achieve with that. And it may not be feasible with a low count, Um, especially not with a full design. I mean, I could see it being something they could do if they went from a, um, if they did just like a, a a retheme of something they already have. But the, yeah, now, now that was one of the things that kind of crossed my mind. It's like, okay, well they paid Ben Heck for that play field for whatever he was working on. I'm assuming it was the evil dead. So, you know, they have a play field that they've already, they've got something designed. It still need to be coded, but they have a layout that's just yeah. sitting there. And given the drama we touched on last time, I'm not, I'm not sure that Spooky and Ben will ever patch things up. So. I would be impressed if they did. 
So given that they own it, they own that design, I think after a while it would make sense to just go ahead and use it if you wanted to and, and take advantage of the money you already invested on it. Uh, the reason why I brought this up, because again, they noted that it was just like a, it was just like a discussion. It wasn't, they're not doing this. They know it would have a lot of trouble. The reason I wanted to note it is I actually really like this movie. Do you? I do. The, when I was a kid, my sister and I both would watch this all the time. We had it on tape and we'd watch it all the time. I don't remember how many times I've seen it, but I think it'd be a great pinball theme. It would be a terrible seller. No one else wants it. I, I totally get it. But I just want to fanboy out a little bit on it because it's such a funny movie. It's not, it's not meant to be funny. It's just totally campy is the thing, but it's, for those that don't know, and spoilers, so I don't know, skip, however, I'm not going to tell you how much. It's Killer Clowns of Outer Space. You've already seen it. The, the movie plot is there are these aliens that come, and they're bad. They look like clowns, hence the name Killer Clowns of Outer Space, because they kill people. But it's got so many weird little horror tropes that are clownified. And of course, clowns are really creepy, so it just works. But I mean, people cocooned in cotton candy. You've got cream pies that are actually made out of acid. You've got police officers who are turned into hand puppets for some ventriloquism. You've got the the popcorn, which are like little monster bug larva things. It's it's just it's there's so much camp in it. So I always really liked it. But it's a terrible idea. Yeah, but I mean, just because I, I <laughs> well, yeah, that that's what that what is being a fan of something means. I mean, yeah, I, I understand that Buckaroo Bonsai would be a terrible seller, but that doesn't mean I don't want to see a game themed around it just for the callouts. Yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't say that if you made it, I'd buy it, but I would be very interested in in a in a Killer Clowns, but. It's it's a terrible idea. The podcaster in me has to say it's a terrible idea. Don't do it. But but I, I just wanted to say that unlike Tony, I actually like this movie. <laughs> I like it quite a bit. I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's it's one of the, my most watched horror movies. Really? Yep. I mean, my my number one most watched horror movie. What is Halloween? The first Halloween. I was going to ask what what's yours? Do you know? Not like comedic horror, true horror movie. Um, trying to think, well, how do you class, how do you want to classify horror? I guess would be the question. Just name the movie that's coming to your mind and I'll tell you if you're wrong. How about that? Well, probably the one I've seen the most would be the mini series of the stand, but I consider that more post-apocalyptic type into the world stuff than horror. I I would agree with you, and since it's a miniseries, I don't know if I'd call it a movie. Right. In that case, I would probably have to say either Army of Darkness or – because I've seen that one a whole lot. Sure, but it's comedic. Right. And the problem is another one I've seen a whole lot is, you know, Jason X, which was also very comedic. Yeah, uh, it's more Um, that one is more deliberately campy. Probably in that case, uh, the thing. Oh, John Carpenter's. Yes. Okay. Oh, that's a good one. I really like that movie. Because I'm thinking about it. I've seen that. I know I've seen that one a dozen times. I have that one on DVD. 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Killer Clowns, I watched a lot. I haven't seen it in years, but growing up, I watched it a lot. Yeah. I mean, my main ones would probably be, as I noted, the, the original Halloween is one I've seen a lot. I often watch that on Halloween. It's one of my favorites to put on. Is it See, usually? I've only, seen, I've only seen the original one once. Mm. Well, I've only seen the second yeah. one once. Yeah, I, I have, I have the first three on, on disc. I don't, care much for number three because it's so weird but but the first two i i often rewatch usually just the first one if i'm just going to do one um so yeah i mean that obviously event horizon i've seen a number of times a movie i originally didn't like and i actually really like it a lot now it's i think it's very scary that is a good movie uh the original alien i've seen a number of times um, i'm a big fan of it it's mm-hmm. just that compared to aliens i just don't like it as much so i usually watch the action movie instead <laughs> And, oh, those would probably be the main ones that are really serious that I'd say I spend a lot of time, a lot of time with. But yeah, John Carpenter's the thing as a, would be an, that one would work really well with some weird pop-ups like a guy and he, uh, and then all of a sudden a thing comes out of his head. That anyway. would be, you could do interesting stuff with that and it could have some fun with a good LCB. Now, if you want to talk about like something camp, a little bit that's horror, but campy-ish, kind of like killer clowns, uh, for me, it was always them. I don't know if I've seen that. I can't even think what it is. Uh, them was, I think it was, it was made in the fifties. It was one of those, uh, 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 radiation nuclear scare ones. And it was about these ants that became huge and they like attacked LA and stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I think it was from the fifties. Hmm. That I remember be, the, I remember yeah. the movie with William Shatner where the spiders take over. Right. That is. I can't remember the name of that one, but I've seen it. But, you know, I would, I would like to see some. 1954 is them. Okay. I would like to see some actual, what I'll, I'll call straight horror done in pinball. I mean, we, we did see Highway tried to with Alien. I mean, it was Alien and Aliens combined, but atmospherically, I thought from what I saw with the software, the Alien side was embracing the horror fully, no joke about, but I don't think it sells as well. If anyone were to try it, I would think spooky. It would make sense. It's in their name. They've always wanted to keep something tied to horror. It's just, it seems like most of the stuff they've done that's tying to horror is kind of jokey horror, not pure, not straight horror. So, right. So let's move on to something less scary and a little more family friendly. Jersey Jack Pinball, which is all about being family friendly. So Jack, and I always... I always mispronounce. I never say his last name on the podcast because I think it's Gary, but I, I always just say it privately. <laughs> I just call him Jersey Jack. So going to Jersey Jack, he actually was speaking with Replay Magazine, and he noted that in 2009, they plan a spring and fall release, and both of those releases are based on well-known licenses. Now, we talked an episode or two ago about Jersey Jack's plan that they've been indicating for a little while now. Uh, first, we heard that they had an intent to get on a nine-month sort of cycle. The spring-fall thing kind of jives with that. We yeah. talked at length about a launch at TPF and then another launch close to the Toy Story release, which would be around June, which obviously this doesn't sync with. This is newer than that, though. And I think some of that Toy Story release stuff was being very presumptuous in the sense that there was an indication of wanting to have a Toy Story game around when the movie would hit. I never heard a confirmation that it would actually come out when the movie was out. 
but a, a, a little bit else uh, to add on to this. In addition to Replay Magazine, there was an interview with Pinball News and Pinball Magazine's podcast for January 2019. I have a link to it in the show notes if anyone wants to listen to it. And during that interview, Jack discussed these releases a bit more. He did note that two different designers are involved and they both already work for Jersey Jack Pinball. So in my mind, this is essentially a confirmation that one is Pat Lawler and one is Eric Munier because I don't know of any other designers that are actually at the company. And also that they weren't going to be committing to a specific show reveal. So the speculation is that whatever game is planning to come out in the spring and the thought is that it's Willy Wonka it won't be at Texas really I mean that's that's a possible spe- obviously he was not saying they have an intent he indicated they do not com- they're not committing to an intention to reveal anything at Texas that's my read based off of what he said now they've always revealed at a show so but there are plenty of other shows later in the spring besides Texas none as big but there right, are and that's that, that, that's what strikes me as weird, is if you're going for a spring, early summer type release, why wouldn't you put it out, at, why wouldn't you float something at the biggest show in that time frame? Well, the thing that would come to my mind would be that they want there to be more sales on Pirates first, and they, uh, there could be a concern that as soon as you announce the next title, people will start holding their money for that rather than maybe making more of the impulse buy and saying, well, I really want a Jersey Jack game. I love their toys. I love their quality. I don't want to wait, though, so I'm going to get Pirates. Well, then is that a concern that uh, Pirate sales haven't been as strong as people would, would imply or some people would like? Well, and I wondered about that. When I listened to the interview, or the Pinball News interview, I thought that Jack was talking about how they were, they, the company were sold out, but that the distributors made all their purchases, but that there weren't any more on the line. I was chatting with someone else and he indicated he thought that that was actually a discussion part about the Hobbit, not about pirates. So I, I don't know. I didn't go back and re-listen to it. The interview was in a show. So there's a lot of background noise and I, I didn't want to sit through it again, quite frankly, but the, so I don't know. I mean, we had heard there's been a lot of talk that pirate sales haven't been robust. I don't know if they're below what Jersey Jack's hopes were or not. I don't know where it stands versus dialed in, but there's a thought, obviously, that at some stage, if you're doing a spring release, that they're they're moving on from from just focusing on pirates, and pirates did come out a lot later than they had intended. And I think the spring release has always been a spring release. So I don't know though, if they're trying to give it a little more breathing room because obviously Texas is in the end of March and that's very early spring. Uh, Or if it, if it's driven by that, they're still trying to work out some of the mechs and stuff, because that was the big issue with pirates. Of course, they did that huge reveal. And then upon testing found out that they could not get the consistency that they needed out of the triple spinning disc and the treasure chest lid that was opening and closing. And ultimately they had to make major changes to the mechanisms. Right. So I think this is one of those things where I would like them to get, onto a twice a year release schedule. I'll be honest, I'd like them to get on a once a year release schedule. And if this, if this, this move works out for them and they get exactly the kind of, um, 
schedule going, I think we're, I think they'll be in a pretty good place. I'm just so, I'm gun shy on Jersey Jack when they talk about stuff coming out. Well, and Jack is being very vague. I mean, spring and fall obviously gives us a little specificity, but not much. But did he, but did he say spring and spring and fall of what year? 2019. This was okay. to replay magazine. Yeah. That, right. that in 2019, they plan a spring and a fall release and that both of those releases are based on well-known licenses. I believe in the pinball news, pinball magazine podcast discussion, he indicated, I, I think one of the, one of the interviewers asked if, it was going to be like that rumored yellow brick road edition of Wizard of Oz. Like, was one of them just going to be a rebranded version of an already existing game? Because again, if they did Hobbit or Wizard of Oz, that would meet those conditions. A well-known license, uh, and another, a new release, kind of like when they did the Ruby Red edition of Wizard right. of Oz. And I believe that was asked and he indicated that no, these would be new. These would be new games. That's the plan. Well. I hope it works because I'd like to see more new games from them. And the, the impression that people have at this point, just for those that, that are confused, I'm always confused, but, but mo- moving from that, it's the speculation is still that Pat Lawler's game is first and that Pat Lawler has Willy Wonka. And that obviously means that's the spring release. And then the implication is Eric Munier will have Toy Story and that will be the fall release. Pat Lawler, I believe. My understanding is he has indicated that he likes to design standard width pins. So that would suggest Wonka will be a standard width, just like dialed in was. And the assumption is that Eric will continue to do wide bodies, which seems to be the general Jersey Jack preferred width. Um, there's, uh, yeah, that, that would make sense to me. Uh, not necessarily the titles being in that order. I mean, I can understand either way. It's hard to tell, but, but definitely seeing as Munier just came off of a game, having his game be the second one would make the most sense. Yeah. And I, and I knowing, heard, I'm, I'm trying to remember who I think it may have been that, that pinball news, pinball magazine interview with Jersey Jack, uh, the topic about like releasing when the movie comes out. Someone I heard, I can't remember, so I don't, that's why I'm hesitating on who I attribute it to. Someone in the industry said they've never actually seen any evidence that releasing a pin with a movie actually increases its sales or gets it more plays on location. So I don't, I don't think it would. Someone's calling into, into question whether or not that really makes a difference. And that's a, that's a fair point to, that's a fair point to bring up. It seems logical to think that it would, but. I would want to see evidence too. If no one's actually done a study to prove, oh yeah, if you put this Star Trek comes out when the Star Trek movie comes out, then more people will play it on location. Uh, that may not be the case, but see, I don't know about sales just because of the price of of pens. I could see where having it bring be, bring a license that is in the uh, mindset of people at the time uh, would make sense. I agree. And the example that I heard was actually about it being a pin in a, it wasn't about sales. It was about operating, but it was actually specific to having the pinball machine in the movie theater with the movie out. And oh, that yeah. people See, don't, that's... people don't drop more coins into that or they hadn't seen any evidence of that, which may be a fair enough point. But I know, for example, that we have an operator in the area and anytime there's a new Jurassic World movie he puts Jurassic Park back out on location and the first time he did it when I spoke with him it sounded like yeah it was doing pretty well 
And then eventually it didn't, and he swapped it out. And then the new movie came out, and we have it back on location still. So, yeah, I mean, it, these things will probably vary from location to location, theme to theme. And it just it just depends. But I could definitely see where you're coming from, though. On the sales side, given that Jersey Jack is so oriented to the home market that I agree. I just don't think that when it comes out isn't particularly relevant versus what the license it's tying to is. So let's move to the fourth company. This is one we don't talk about much, Great Lakes Pinball. There's not really a lot to say other than they have announced that they hired an artist. His name is Tom Deja. I hope I'm saying it right. And this is regarding the the pin they've already indicated uh, is coming out, which is called Expose. So we don't have a lot of information. They have shared uh, an artistic rendering of one of the characters who looked like a sort of alien kind of what I, I think of as a gray, but maybe a little squatter, like a chibi gray. Maybe that'd be the chibi best gray. A chibi gray. It's not that adorable, but it, it kind of is. I, I mean, it's art. I can't describe it to you on the podcast. It's pointless to try. So, you, <laughs> well, see, this is kind of a blue. Let me, let me, let me pull out the, let, let me pull out the, the, the color wheel and I'll get you the exact numbers. No, you can look it was it just up, a but... sketch. There were no colors. There were no <laughs> colors. So anyway, just FYI, uh, I wanted to note it because, uh, last time we talked about how zombie, not zombie yet, excuse me, dirty Donnie was picked up to do a, um, art for another one, the Suncoast pinball startup. So it's, it's sort of falling into line of with what everyone's been saying. All you need is a great art package and you can sell a pin. That's sort of the philosophy that everyone seems to have adopted now. Which is why so many companies are trying really hard to make sure that their art doesn't look like crap. Well, while while you were talking, I found the picture, and that is kind of cute, creepy thing. I think my summation was decent. It wasn't yeah. great, but I thought it was decent. Yeah, no, no, that's that. It's pretty solid. It it definitely falls into the kind of cute, creepy. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of creepy, let's go to our last company to talk. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry, I don't have a good segue. Our last company to talk about, which is Dutch Pinball. Oh, okay. So for those that don't don't know, it's to the point of sad. It's been sad for a long, long time. And you usually say fairly negative things when we bring up Dutch, but I felt we needed to because we haven't really talked about them recently. So for those that don't know, Dutch Pinball is the company behind the Big Lebowski pinball machine. They also made the kit Bright of Pinbot 2.0, which allows you to convert the WPC game Bright of Pinbot into a D&D version of the game. And the Big Lebowskis did not all get built. There are a lot of people who pre-ordered haven't received machines. And for the last few months, everything has been on hold due to litigation because originally Dutch Pinball used a contract manufacturer named Ara and they had a falling out about price. And so they left Ara and intended to shift to another contract manufacturer. Ara initiated a lawsuit against Dutch Pinball before that production could really get underway. And so things have been tied up in court since. The news that has come out has been that the judge in the case has asked Dutch Pinball and Ara to get together and try and negotiate some sort of settlement. Apparently, he told them to do this before, and they got together and could not reach an agreement. Dutch Pinball indicated to they they have like a newsletter for the pre-order people to their pre-orderers they indicated that they made a number of proposals to ara during that process and ara rejected all of the offers so they went back to the judge and said we couldn't reach agreement 
And then the judge said, I want you to try again or else I'm going to make a decision and you might not like what I decide. <laughs> so don't make me pull this car over. Right, right. Exactly. Don't make me pull this car over. So I thought, you know, we should just probably talk about what, what, if anything, we think this means. I want to go ahead and note up front. Obviously, this is going through, by the way, as the name of Dutch Pinball may imply, this is happening in the Dutch legal system, not the American legal system. I am not an attorney. Uh, so take all of this with as much salt as you need. From my experience, and I've touched on it a few times on past episodes, when I went to small claims court, which is civil court for low dollar amounts, over a project, a contractor did not finish doing a deck build for me. And the first time I went, when I actually had my time to present the case to the judge, I remember the room was full of all of these claimants and defendants. And the first thing the judge did was tell every single one of them, you are going to try and mediate this. They had free mediator. I mean, you already paid the court, but <laughs> they had mediators on standby right there, right then. And if the plaintiff was there and the defendant was there, you went into another room with one of the mediators and they tried to talk it out because who knows what you are going to like or not like w- with what the judge would decide. Plus, it takes up a lot of court time. So wouldn't it be nice just to get this settled and not have it go any further? I didn't have that happen because my defendant didn't show up. So I won by, I I got everything I wanted because I won by default. So in this case, this syncs very closely in my view with what I'd expect to see in the American legal system. The judge really trying hard not to have to sit and decide this case, try and get the two parties to come to an agreement, just using the legal system as the apparatus to make them get together at the table knowing that the ball has started rolling. And then hopefully you save all this court time and everyone agrees to something. It's a compromise. Not everyone loses. I mean, there's not one loser in specific circumstances or anything. And then it just goes away and everyone moves on with their lives. What do you think about... The reason I bring this up is some people have gone as far as to think that this means because Ara initiated the suit and the judge is telling them that they to go back and try and negotiate that Ara doesn't have a good case. I think that is wishful thinking. I could be wrong, but I think that falls from those people who are just wanting to keep holding on to the hope that they will be made whole somehow magically and that the, all their love and energy and money that they've poured into this company that they believe in hasn't been thrown down the toilet like it actually has. Yes. I'm, I'm of a similar mindset. Maybe I wouldn't be surprised if the judge ultimately didn't give Ara everything their suit asked for. That wouldn't surprise me. So in that regard, sure, Ara may not have legal claim to every single demand that they have. That being said, my supposition on this is that obviously the judge isn't inclined to just dismiss it and say Ara doesn't deserve anything. So I think that it's mostly driven by just trying not to consume the court's time and seeing if they can actually – because the parties are so bitter towards each other that it's helpful to have the judge try and make them have a talk. but. That being said, long term, the problem with Dutch pinball isn't that they have the lawsuit with Ara hanging over their heads. It's they don't have a way to fund the completion of this project, the Big Lebowski project. So given that, I just don't I just long term, I just don't see Big Lebowski going anywhere. 
My understanding, and I don't, I don't know that this is certain, but from what I had read from others reporting on this, in that first round of negotiations where Dutch said all of our offers were rejected, Dutch's offers, I believe, I don't know if they all did, but my sense was all of them involved having Ara continue the build. And Ara doesn't want to build the Big Lebowskis anymore. They're done. They don't want well, to, that's they crazy. don't want to come back and finish it. I would think at this point it would be pretty clear, and I don't know why they would even want to continue to work with Ara uh, in any situation anyway, just due to the bad blood, as it were. I would assume that the most they would want to do is get something settled so they could get those 40 locked up machines out and uh, at least make some people whole while they continue to, though let's be fair. If they get those 40 machines, they will sell them, even though they've already got other people's money instead of delivering it to try and jumpstart whatever else they're trying, they want to try and, and do to finish it out. I think that may have been why they, they being Dutch would want to have Ara continue to do the build because they were not ready to go yet with the Chinese contract manufacturer they were in discussions with. They were, they had some prototypes and they were, having a few things reformed still, but they, my sense was from, again, we haven't seen inside of all of this. So we're having to be a little speculative, but that company hadn't been paid anything yet. I don't know if Ara has been paid stuff yet or not, but there's already the existing contracts with Ara. If Ara were willing to continue to do the build, I could see it going how you would, how you've suggested. Take the 40, don't give them to the pre-orderers, sell them to new blood. There are a lot of people that think this is a very fun game and they want to buy it. Then you take that sale money and then you keep paying Ara to continue to do the build. And eventually with the influx of money that you've got from the new sales, you start to build out the pre-orders and you do kind of like what Highway was trying to do at the end where you give a pre-order or a machine after you sell X number of machines to new buyers. Yeah. But, but if Ara doesn't want to do anything else, they just have the 40. Okay. Let's say Dutch takes it and, and sells those to all new people. All right, you got the pre-orderers mad still. You got potential litigation from them at this point. I mean, they could have brought litigation at any stage, but now there might be more of them that are actually willing to sue. Plus, you've got this money and you have to find a new manufacturer. I assume you go back to the Chinese manufacturer you're talking with. Is that enough of an investment on those 40 for them to actually get production up and running and build a certain number of machines. I would say probably, but I don't know if there's any other debts that Dutch has to pay. Because the issue is, up until, I believe, 2018 at some point, they were still drawing salary from the company. So they don't have as much money at the now that they versus when they started. They've been spending money down, even if this is going to keep them alive for living expenses. So without the best i mean the best solution for dutch would have been hey ara we're we're ready to pay you we want i mean i know what dutch wants they would have wanted ara and i'm sure they would have been willing even if they don't like each other if ara was like able to do the build and dutch actually got to pay the original contract amount they wanted to pay the dutch would go back to ara and they would just move forward and you'd have some lost money from all this process but it is what it is ara obviously doesn't even want the amount that they tried to get from Dutch to move forward at this point. So who knows what the judge would decide if they don't come to an understanding. I could see them maybe saying that 
I mean, Dutch's best case scenario would probably be they only have to pay the original agreed upon price for the 40 games that are in stock or whatever. And Aura is not obligated on or any other aspect of the contract regarding Bride of Pinbot 3.0 or whatever those nuances were. But if Dutch hasn't paid them anything for the games that were even shipped, and I've heard that reported, but again, I don't know that it's true, that's a bit of a problem for Dutch. I say, yeah, can Dutch even afford to pay for those games at the price Dutch was expecting to pay for them as opposed to the price that Aura was wanting? Right. I don't think so. I don't think they, my guess is they can't pay for all 40 at once right now even at the original price. So then maybe they get, they pay for 10, sell the 10, buy 15, sell the, you know, do it like that. But long-term, I don't know how you get to the point where you make everyone whole because I don't see them being able to generate enough cash to actually really, truly start up a line with someone else. I just, because I think you have, to, I think so much of those 40 games is going to go to pay for the 40 games. I just don't, I don't understand it. But so much of this is not transparent. It's very, very challenging. So none of this makes me think that the big Lebowskis go, go and get built. That's, that's the bottom line. I, I could see a scenario where these negotiations may liberate the games into Dutch's possession. That's possible. The 40. But, yeah, but like you said, I don't think they just ship those off to those pre-orderers and call it a day because that's not going to satisfy all the pre-orderers and that's just going to cost them money in shipping costs. I think that they sell them and do something. I don't know. I don't know what you do. So, sell them and then give everyone who pre-ordered pennies on the dollar back kind of bankrupt yourself and, and do it like that. At least, I mean, they'd get more money under that scenario than if they did it right now. But. Right. And I think I have a hard time seeing them doing anything that actually, I cannot believe, see a way to an actual future where they will make those pre-orders whole. I just don't see where it's realistically possible. I'm sure there's some pipe dream where it could happen, but in all reality, I don't see how it, how it will. Oh, there are still people who are, you know, have this hope that Dutch will contract with Deep Root or Spooky to do the builds. And then Spooky or Deep Root is the contract manufacturer. It's a contract manufacturer that knows, well, at least in the case of Spooky, knows how to build pinball machines. We don't know yet on Deep Root. And then that, that goes forward and Dutch sort of owns the IP and Spooky handles the build. And then people trust and new buyers buy because that's so, you know, I've never played the big Lebowski, but the one thing is that I've seen is compared to any of these other projects, Predator, even Alien, which has a few fans, a lot of people like how big Lebowski plays. A lot of people think it is a very good game. So there's been this demand from people that want to acquire one, but they're too scared to go in with Dutch because doesn't seem like Dutch is necessarily being all that honest. They're definitely not being transparent with what their financial situation is and what's really going on. Their updates are almost non-updates. So it's like Kickstarter, the pinball. <laughs> that might be our next our next pinball theme to come up with is Kickstarter the, the Kickstarter pinball. the pinball. That's what. So yeah, I yeah, like you, I just I don't see a path. I think those are all pipe dreams that. I'm just shocked that it's gone on for years and people still, I suppose when there's nothing else to consume, hope is all you can feed on. But 
I just don't understand it. There's still people who talk it up, and it's just, at some point you got to cut your losses. I Dutch pinball's done. They'll never do a new game beyond Big Lebowski. Their reputation is too tarnished. I mean, depending on how they exit, I think will determine whether or not they'll be able to quote unquote show their face at a pinball show. But I mean, given even how well J-Pop has ended up navigating his whole sort of boondoggle, I suppose it's quite achievable to continue to be a presence yeah, in the hobby. Yeah, that's somehow, somehow there are still people who will love you, but he had a lot more to work with than they do. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, it's just a mess. I think, uh, to me, this is following more the path of Highway than the path of Zidware, but we'll, we'll have to see. That's all I really have on pinball news, though. So we'll end on that downer note, and then we can move, move on into, into happiness. Let's talk about happy video game news. Oh, oh, we're going to talk about happy video game well, news? Well, right. I guess assuming, we're going to go ahead and end I'm the show I'm just assuming here. it has to be happy, Tony. You only put the happiest notes in on one yeah. note. That's that's what I did. It was nothing but happy notes this so time. Start, start us off. What's going on? What's so okay. happy? We're going we're gonna to start off with happy. Uh EA announced that they're going to miss their sales or that they missed their sales estimates for the holiday season and they dropped their forecast for the third quarter. Uh-oh. That's happy. Wow. Their stock dropped 13%. Wow. Well, a lot of people uh, hate EA, so for them it is happy. Right. Uh apparently the big, one of the big hits was Battlefield 5 sold uh a million less copies than they expected. Mm. It's already half off in the Xbox store this last week. I still and, didn't buy it and I've been someone who's played all the Battlefields since Bad Company 1, with the exception of the standalone stuff and, like, Hardline in the 1943. Yeah, I was going to ask, because I know you're, you've been a big Battlefield player, so... I have been, any- but the problem is, while I really like the idea of 1, it didn't it didn't immerse me. Uh, the new modes, like, operations mode, was it took over 30 minutes to play, and it's just, like, it just was too time-consuming, and I've had more fun with Overwatch. So, whenever I want to play... In a sort of cooperative shooter, I end up going into the hero shooter instead of going into this massive battlefield. Plus, right. the vehicles didn't feel as good because it's World War One. I. I, I really respected that they were willing to do it. I really liked the setting. I thought the vignettes campaign was the best. Battlefield's campaigns usually suck. So it was like the best campaign I'd played since Battle, Battlefield Bad Company 2. But that just wasn't enough to keep me playing it. And the unlocks weren't very interesting. I didn't like how it worked with their loot crate system for skins on the weapons. I was coming from a model where you used a gun enough and you'd get a new, you get a scope and you get a laser sight and actually help you not, Oh, look, you got a, you got a new shade of camo for this prototype machine gun. Make you make you machine gun dress up. Yeah, well, you can barely see because it's so drab in the game because they go with that ultra realistic look. So yeah, it was like okay, well, I just it was fine. I enjoyed the game. I liked riding my war ponies, but it's just not. I didn't like it as much as Battlefield Bad Company 2's multiplayer or Battlefield Three, which is one of my favorite multiplayer games ever. So yeah, now that's like I said I, I I was interested to see that it hurt them that bad. Well, uh, I think, I mean, my read was they still don't have the Battle Royale yet out for it. Call of Duty right. had a Battle Royale. They knew that that was what is hot right now. So, And it is super hot right now. And that's also kind of what then saved EA two days later. Mm. Because Respawn Entertainment released Apex Legends, which is 
a free-to-play battle royale game set in the Titanfall universe. Titanfall. I like Titanfall. It's fun. I've heard a lot of people really do like Titanfall. It's been well-reviewed, but it's never really sold great. No, the, the first was takeoff. Xbox exclusive, so that held it back. And then the second one, was that was an EA mistake. They put it out against Battlefield 1. Right. So, of course, it's not going to sell when you're throwing it out against a title like that. Well, it's the same audience. It's a yeah. first-person shooter. So, But Apex Legends has actually broken big. Uh, they hit a million unique players in the first eight hours after release. They had 10 million unique players in the first 72 hours, and they had managed to hit more than a million concurrent players in the first 72 hours. And based upon what I've seen from looking on Twitch, this game is everywhere. Mm. Okay. Well, it's, it's a fun world. I, I haven't been inclined to try it because my understanding is that this does not actually have the Titans in it. No, so it doesn't. It, it, it relies I've on, watched, there's some really uh, cool parkour elements to Titanfall when you're not in the mechs, but the, for me, the mechs were the fun thing. So I, uh, I, I've watched several streams. Seagull was streaming it yesterday. So I watched his stream. Um, and man, I don't think I can play those games. Those games are too fast. I'm too old. I don't know. I mean, get it on your PlayStation. And they go slower on the controller setups. Maybe I could I could see that. It's just weird when you're watching somebody play and they're doing all this stuff. You they're they're like menuing like fast. And you don't even know what's going on. It's just like what? Well, he's a professional level gamer too. They don't all play at that level, right? So, but no the the uh, the release had if it can maintain its popularity, it's going to be huge, but it was a big enough release that EA stock actually bounced up higher than it was when they dropped, when they made their loss announcement. So they may have found their Epic cash cow to save them. Hopefully if it survives and if it holds on and, and here's the big thing is it has to beat the, uh, big daddy of them all. So does it have to beat beat it or can it just do like a nice second place? If it can have a nice second place, if it can find a niche where it sits and holds, I think it'll be okay because that's kind of what Fortnite did. It found, it found a niche compared to the other ones because it has that whole building mechanic into it. And then apex legends, it's has a um, hero mechanic into it. So, when you go in, you choose a hero and you play as that hero and you have a, you have an ultimate that you get. You have a unique ability that only that hero, that only people playing that hero get. That's so, awesome. I don't know. The ones I've seen are, are a variety of stuff. I, like I said, I, I've only watched a few streamers play. There's like, like one guy can do, um, he put, he can throw out like decoys, like holographic decoys that'll run around or stand there or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Some of those abilities are, are, uh, equipable items that you can take advantage of in the regular Titanfall games. Yeah. So we'll see how that works. If that, if that little niche, uh, works for them. Also, it, what it does better from the, what I've read and what I've seen are maybe better is the wrong word. What it does different is, Unlike the other Battle Royale games that are out there, it does not have a solo or a duo queue. 
everybody is put into teams of three. Oh, so you can okay. join with your team of three, or I guess you can be randomly assigned a team of three, but everybody works in, in, in teams of three. Okay. And, uh, since the standard battle royale thing is you're in whatever flying thing and you jump out to land somewhere on the map to go, they've instituted a jump master thing so that one of the three players in your team controls the jump and you both, and all three players stay with him. You can hit a button to break off and go on your own, but you all jump at the same time. And until you choose to break off or get right to the end, you maneuver together. So you still land close to each other. Hmm. So it's interesting. I'm going to be interested to see how it plays, uh, out, um, in the big fight between, you know, like PUBG and, uh, Call of Duties is called Blackout, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and of course, Fortnite. Um, but from the initial reports, this game might be rolling up to second place real quick. The free to play will help it versus PUBG. Right. So, and versus the whole Call of Duty thing. Now for more sad. More sad. Yes, we uh, had sad because I depending because of EA went socks went down. Then happy because they came up. Um, <clears throat> it has been confirmed that there is no Titanfall three in production at this time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not too shocked given how Titanfall two ended up selling, though. I still completely stand by that it is the publisher's fault entirely. Yeah, I, they they shirked blame back back when they did that financial report after Titanfall two. I still remember it was ridiculous how they they blamed the uh, development of the game instead. And it's like you guys chose to put it out against your Battlefield game. Yeah, you that you chose ridiculous. to put it out against yourself. You didn't even choose to put it out against an opponent. You know, you didn't choose to put it out against a Call of Duty or something. You're like, oh, we'll fight ourselves. Yeah, it was just so silly. And it actually, they gave it a campaign. It's a good, it's a good campaign. The first game doesn't really have a real campaign. It's all multiplayer, really. Yeah. There's a little bit of a story when you launch in, but um, I've spent more time multiplayer in the first game, but I really did enjoy the single player experience. Okay. Well, that is sad. I'm sad now. So yeah, there's supposed to be some more projects under development inside that universe, but. Yeah, no direct Titanfall 3 coming from Respawn. Respawn is spending all their time uh, working on Apex. <clears throat> okay, well, that makes sense. So, we'll transition from sad to, I don't, curious? Hmm. I'm going to go with curious. Let's transition from sad to curious, and then it'll end on sad. <laughs> um, <laughs> what spoilers? So, <clears throat> we'll start with the curious. The Epic Game versus Steam battle that's been going on since December. Uh, I, we've talked about them three or four times before. And it's going to keep coming because it's kind of a, a thing going on right now. But Epic put Axiom The Verge in their store for free uh, until the 21st of February. Okay, I've heard of that game. It is a, it's a Metroidvania with a cyberpunk theme. It's pretty popular. Uh, I actually, this, I picked it up on the Epic store. I've not played it yet, but I picked it up. I'm not a huge Metroidvania person, but it turns out they had a little, uh, bug when the transition went, ha- went. 
the game's creator, because it was one of those single creator independent games, the game's creator went into the game and removed all of Steam's DLLs and code and stuff from it before he gave it over to Epic so okay. Epic could put it on the store, which makes sense. <clears throat> I can understand that. Unfortunately, he apparently did just a find and replace or find and delete. And one of the things that was removed from the code that was sent to Epic was for a Steam dot something or other extension that was for a sound effect. And it would cause the game to crash 100% uh, of the time when it tried to find it. Uh-oh. That's not very good. So it was fixed. It was patched uh, rather quickly. And the game's still available out there. It's just one of those things that was kind of like, well, that's just kind of humorous and curious. But then the sad, more sad, Epic got themselves yet another exclusive. Mm, that doesn't sound very sad. Well, this exclusive could be considered very poorly timed. Uh they received a one-year Epic Store exclusive to Metro Exodus. Oh, that game's almost out. Right. They got the exclusive two weeks before the game's launch date. It had been selling on Steam for six-plus months. Hmm. Okay. So what happened to those who pre-ordered it? Those who pre-ordered it are supposedly going to get to play it on Steam but they're the only ones who will be allowed to have it on Steam. Oh, but then they dropped the price on Epic. It's just $50 instead of $59.99. Oh, nice uh, sale. That is on Steam. Well, that's not a sale. That is, a that's nice its, permanent price. Yeah, that's its permanent price because of Epic's lower revenue split. Yeah, well, that sounds not. I mean, these are not like happy things. The people who pre-ordered still get to have the game where they pre-ordered it, so they're not inconvenienced. And people who you, waited and didn't do stupid pre-orders get to save money. You would think so, but based upon the burning furor that is the internet, mm. there is much unhappiness to the way everything's going. Well, can't the pre-order people just cancel and then buy it on app? I I don't understand. Why I this is think a big it deal. sounds like there's a lot of people who don't want to leave the Steam ecosystem. They don't have to leave the Steam ecosystem. You can stay on Steam if you want. I understand, but they want to play it on the Steam Eek. I don't understand. They can if they pre-ordered it. What the heck? Exactly. Rah, what's going on? But those there's people who have not pre-ordered it who still want to play it, and they want to maintain it because they have the other metros in their Steam library. Okay. I've seen some of these in the comment sections of some of the video game sites that have covered articles about Epic and such that I've, I've started to read from time to time. These crybabies, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you my thoughts tonight. These are crybabies. Boo hoo. I don't care if you only want to have Steam on your computer. If you want to only use Steam, you can. If you want to play every single game, you're going to have to accept the fact that you're going to be like everybody else who has to have multiple things normally to be able to access it. Not everything lives in one cloud all the time. So Yeah, well, and the problem is, is that it has up until this point. Well, and like in the case of this game, sure, but we have had for years games, especially large games, that have not shown up on Steam. You might Very have true. to have Battle.net several of them. or the, what, the Origin Store or whatever. It, it doesn't, there's always been some. Nothing has ever had 100% access to everything. So 
I get it. I do get it. It's very convenient to just have everything in one library. Steam is that library, but it's so short-sighted in my view for the end user to not, because it's showing a very, to me, a lack of concern, a lack of care for developers who are getting tired of paying what in my outsider's view is an exorbitant, outrageous asking price in terms of the cut that Steam is taking for very little work. So this is competition. Welcome to capitalism. Deal with it. And by deal with it, I don't mean go onto the Steam store, load up the other two Metro games and review bomb them. That you don't like the decision that was made with Metro Exodus has absolutely nothing to do with the quality of two older games. That's a bunch I don't of crap. understand that whole review bombing thing that people do anyway. It's a petulant it protest. No it's an avocado toast eating style petulant <laughs> protest with no substance. It's that plastic style protest. It's like putting on a bumper sticker on your car instead of actually donating money to a cause. I hate that crap. It's the bottom of the barrel effort of protest. Exactly. Exactly. That's what exactly. You didn't actually make any sacrifice. You went and you put in a trashy review on the wrong. It's not even the proper target of your rage. It's like you want to cut someone. So, but you don't, but for whatever reason, because you, I guess, because you don't want to go to their house, in this case, the Epic store, you go ahead and you cut their family member, their dad. What'd their dad do to you? So here you are knifing someone who you liked, who you said was great. And keeping my knife analogy going. And they're there bleeding. And they're like, <laughs> what did I do? I'm on Steam. You loved me three years ago. And it's like, well, sorry. This is how I protest because I don't know how protests work. Losers. They're I'm not going to disagree because use it. I mean, just use a different thing. The only place I can see there being an issue in my personal opinion, is if you end up with something like where you have a uh, if a game that is not exclusive drops exclusive like DLC would be an issue. But other than that, just use both services. You have I, to do it anyway. I'm fine it's not with a big deal. This. I, I think it's perfectly fair to say that it was poor form for the studio to go ahead two weeks out and then make an exclusive agreement. I'm okay with you criticizing that too, but not through review bombing the a wrong, the wrong game. That, that's not what reviews right. are for. You should be sending complaints to the company. You should be flood. I mean, if you want to do your online protest stuff, that's where you do the Twitter thing and petitions and all that. There is a right way to go about doing it. I, I know your focus on the summary wasn't on review bombing, but that's what I'm aware of is what's happening. No, that is completely that an is accurate, happening. inappropriate stratagem that isn't going to work. It just makes you look like a crybaby gamer because you are. So if you want to cry about it, cry about it in the right way. Try and be a little productive with it. Criticize that it was uh, almost a bait and switch or how it's poor form or how people who didn't want to pre-order because they think pre-ordering stupid – uh, we're just waiting because they knew it was already on Steam and that it was going to come out because people were getting to pre-order it there. That's fair stuff to say, but don't go to the first Metro, which is a great game, and then say it sucks. Just my opinion. What do yeah. I know? I just have a microphone. Uh, I think you're. I think it's a very valid opinion. Uh, that whole review bombing thing is a thing that's been cropping up more and more often. With it's stuff a big like reason that. people and... don't want to be on Steam. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a uh, case in point, less of a review bomb and more just of uh, uh, crybaby-ish type things is um, 
Ace Combat 7 is showing on Steam mixed reviews. And the re- only reason it's showing mixed reviews is because people are giving it bad reviews because it doesn't support their joystick setup. <sighs> I mean, in the review, I think that it would be fair to note this does not support a particular type of joystick setup and then maybe on gameplay rate it down. I don't I don't know how the Steam review works. I don't review on Steam. I, I have before, but I don't remember how. And I bet, I mean, I wouldn't make the game a one star out of five for it. But I, I, I right. could see giving well, it a hit for not being properly supportive. I mean, I don't know. Are you using a joystick from 2000 or what? I don't know. Well, they only they only supported a very few, uh, and that didn't none of that actually went into place until after the uh, they had to patch okay. it in. Well, I mean, as a as a sort of case in point, there was a game. I can't remember I, if I reviewed it. I think maybe I did for a site, but they didn't let you invert the Y axis. And I, I dinged them for it because I think that's a standard protocol to do. But they actually were interviewed about it and they indicated no one on their development team played with an inverted Y-axis and they totally didn't think about it. And it's like, oh, I guess you're not a real gamer, whatever. <laughs> and on Steam's review thing, it's just, it's it's an up-down. Ah, okay. It's an up-down review. So... So yeah, because I just out of just out of curiosity, just to see how, how bad, is bad it, it is, I went to I pulled up Metro Last Light Fun Review, game. and of its recent reviews, which is the reviews within the last um, thirty days, there are seventy six percent negative. Oh reviews. my god! <laughs> There's been four thousand. 422 negative reviews to Metro Last Live yeah. Rideau. It's such a good game. And let's and and, and, here, and, and just to throw it, throw it out there, let, 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 let's pick one of these random ones. <sighs> I'm not going to drop the name or anything. Just a random, not recommended. <laughs> Reasons not to use the Epic Store. <sighs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's the re- that, that that's the start of a review on on Steam a Steam game that's for, still available on on Steam. a Steam game that's not the game they're talking about. Well, you're so, right. In sad yeah. there, Ugh. you got my dander up on that one. So thing. sad. I know. I heard it was impressive. I like it. Let's make things better. Let's go Yay. happy. Let's get very 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 happy. Okay. Okay. So, Microsoft Studios, formerly Microsoft Game Studios, is once again being renamed. They're going to become Xbox Game Studios. <sighs> okay, well, this just confuses me when things keep renaming, but whatever. According to the announcement, uh, according to the news announcement, at this point, they are considering Xbox is Microsoft's gaming brand across all devices okay. on all it, everything. It makes now. sense. Just, so, but let's let's so stick with it. Everything's going to be okay. Xbox. Okay, we'll see. See, like I said that wasn't like happy, happy, but it was very neutral. Okay. Nothing bad. We'll continue the happy. Okay. The successor to 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 one of our original MMOs, mm. Final Fantasy okay. fourteen. Its get base game is free to to uh, Twitch Prime users until wow. May 3rd. Which means you can play up to level 50. 
and you can do all content before the first expansion, which was which was Heaven's Sword or Heaven's Word or something like that. And in addition, the Twitch Prime offer gives you 30 days of gameplay because it's still a subscription-based uh, right. game. Uh, after you complete your 30 days of gameplay, if you want to continue to play, it'll be $12.99 a month for a subscription for a single character. It's $14.99 a month for a subscription with multiple characters. <clears throat> but the way the game is set up, all of the possible jobs you can do can be done with right. a single character. Final Fantasy XI was like that. Exactly. So, there's, I mean, if somebody wants to, I'll be 100% honest, I'm considering it. Except uh, I don't want to fall in love with it. I, I don't want to have to do. A I don't know if I can, if I dare allow myself to ever go into an MMO trap again. Right, because I mean, I miss Eve Online constantly. I've talked about it multiple times on this show. Uh, there are times that I miss certain things about World of Warcraft, and there are even times when I miss Final Fantasy VII. Eleven. So, or, or eleven. Uh, uh, yeah, I just cut the 14 in half. It's cool. <laughs> well, seven's not uh, a good game. When I miss Final Fantasy XI, it is. Uh, they, and they have kept some of the things that I really liked about uh, Eleven that nothing else had, like the Link Shell setup and all that. And they've got a guild system and a Link Shell system now, uh, from what I was reading. So you can have Link Shells that let you talk to just certain groups of friends and everything. It's kind of nice. It's It's a nice little thing. I liked how they did that. So, there for people who are interested. Yeah, nice, that's nice. Uh, way to go forward. I know they're doing it because they're, the newest expansion drops. Uh, okay, makes sense. So, they're trying to bump some stuff up. That's cool. That's nice. <clears throat> I was thinking about it, though. How many subscription-based MMOs are left now? I know WoW's still subscription-based, though it had, you can do free-to-play up to a certain level. Uh, I know Eve Online is still subscription based, though once again it's got a free to play section that you can play for so long. But can you think of any other uh, decent sized games that are still subscription based? No, but I I don't pay any attention to it, so I haven't tried. After World of Warcraft, I deliberately didn't look at any MMOs anymore. Um, I I mean I've heard a little bit about the one that's the Elder Scrolls Online, but I don't know if it's subscription or not. I I, I don't. I don't know if it's subscription for, I was wanting to think it's one of those ones where you could get a subscription that would give you stuff, but it's not necessary to play. Cause I know like Star Trek online got rid of that. There's subscription. You can get a subscription that gives you bonuses, but you can play it without it. Okay. Well, let me see. I'm doing a quick uh -huh. check. So the Elder Scrolls online. Yeah. They have a ESO plus membership program is the thing. So that just gives you certain certain perks, apparently. So taking a quick look at it, it seems that it does things like they have monthly rates, $14.99, $13.99, and $12.99 for one, three, and six month subscriptions, and depending on the on the platform, but so it gives you your as you thought, it gives you access to certain things. Yeah. Well, I found a listing of subscription MMOs, and they're pretty, pretty few. Yeah, so much has moved Let's to the free-to-play model, as we've seen from 
right from things like well i mean that's a that's the advantage of like fortnite's battle royale is is free to play and even PUBG, it's a one-time buy of the game it's the traditional right. model and then so we'll yeah we'll see how this goes like i said I, I i man when i when i when i first saw the news i was thinking about it but i'm just sitting here going can I play a game a whole bunch, get into it, fall in love with the, the game and want to play more, but then turn around and have to pay $13 a month to play the game when I have so many other games to play? I've, I've got, I've got so many games. I mean, I've only played of the Christmas of the games I got for Christmas just for the PS4. I've only played one of them so far. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, I can, I could play the game enough to actually make it worth the subscription rate, but I wouldn't be playing anything else. And I'm already taking things that I don't have to pay for. And they're taking me so long to clear that it doesn't make any sense finan- financially. I'd have to, I mean, if I love the game, I'm, I'd be fine with it, but I don't want to love the game. I've got other games I'm enjoying playing and I don't need the distraction. Yeah. So we'll see. But for those people who want to give a subscription based game or a Final Fantasy, the Final Fantasy version of a subscription based game a try, there you go. There's a good, good Mm -hmm. choice for you. And now we'll finish it up. Well, no, we're not finishing it up. We're not not done yet. It's not going to be happy either. Yep. Yeah, I know. I, I found it this morning and I went to stick it in, but you'd already done it. Uh, but on a, on our last bit of happy, Overwatch League returns. That's on what Valentine's our listeners Day. love is when we talk about Overwatch. I know goats, goats meta, goats I, I, meta. I would, I, I would love. I can't. I cannot wait. Unfortunately, when it does start, I will be at uh, parent-teacher conferences. So that starts at the exact. They show time it on the loop on the game channel. Starts. I know. I just don't want to stay up that late. But now there are. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. My my daughter made me pick since I'm staying with London Spitfire as as my team of choice. We did have a conversation where we picked the expansion, which expansion team you like out of just the expansion yeah. teams. I went with the Chengdu Hunters because that panda is awesome. <laughs> did she go with it as well? Yes, she did. Okay, I figured. Yep, and her 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 friend who is an Excelsior fan went with the Spark because he likes the Oh my skin. gosh, that's like the worst that's the worst logo ever. I know it's so terrible. You know what I keep calling it? The Shocker. <laughs> shocker. <laughs> they just they change that hand a little bit. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's right. awesome. Speaking of bad, yeah, the last thing that you apparently saw this morning I saw last night was that Activision Blizzard We've talked about it uh, fairly recently because you mentioned the Heroes of the Storms esports aspect was no longer going to be supported. Correct. And that was a part of the article I read, but the rumor mill very strongly indicates Activision Blizzard is preparing to announce major layoffs before their quarterly earnings report. They're expected to land Monday, as in tomorrow or Tuesday at the latest, and in as I'm noted, significant layouts, layoffs. Uh, the rumor list I saw was saying hundreds. Yes. Yep. Uh, now the, the one, the one article I did read on it, uh, had mentioned that at least some of those layoffs will most likely happen because with their split from Bungie and Bungie taking destiny, uh, Activision still has all of their PR and advertising and all of that people 
that were part of Destiny, but were part of Activision, not part of Bungie on staff. Yes. Yeah, that change, obviously, and we talked about that before as well, that Bungie has split off early from Activision. They went ahead and ended their agreement. And coupled with the fact that the Blizzard side hasn't had a new game since Overwatch in 2016, there's just not a major product on that end right now that a new major project, a product Overwatch is doing very well for them, but it's just, it's not enough. Right. That's part of the reason why Heroes of the Storm had its development support staff cut way back to the sort of skeleton crew just to keep it kind of going is that was their worst performing Blizzard product is what I had read. So that's just, I mean, these are the steps because apparently Activision had told the Blizzard side, you need to reduce your budgets. You need to cut your costs. So start taking steps. Naturally, the big concern here is that, uh, it's what I'll, I'll refer to it as the activization of Blizzard, which is what people often feared would happen when Blizzard was acquired or, or merged essentially. But yeah, it is what it is. So it's unfortunate because Blizzard is one of those sort of premier status companies that has a lot of goodwill with a lot of gamers tarnished it a little bit when they spent uh their big blizzcon talking about a mobile game but nonetheless it's still a highly respected company kind of like uh rockstar is for example how bioware used to be and now it's starting to look like they might become bioware (laughs) scary yeah no this is gonna be it's gonna be rough i'm gonna be interested to see what teams especially on the blizzard side of things takes the hits because i've also seen the rumor list of uh, the article I said had a rumor list of them taking a more administrative hit than a game development hit. Lots of the uh, uh, PR and admin staff type people and shifting that over to Activision, thus blending them harder into Activision than they already are. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. Yeah. so we'll keep our eyes on it. But for the time being, that's all we have to say. And It's and- a downer. It's all ups and downs. Lots of ups, lots of downs. And well, we this time of downs. year with the financial reports, it's sort of what you expect. So there are usually winners and losers in gaming every year, depending on which games end up getting most people's dollars. So. Right. And with Epic having dominated so much of the last couple of quarters with Fortnite. Sure. That, that's been huge. And then as, as is typical when Rockstar has a release and they had Red Dead Redemption in the quarter, uh, it's very difficult for other gaming companies to compete against a Rockstar product because they usually do very well. And a lot of those dollars don't just, they just don't go to what they might have otherwise gone to. So that's very disruptive as well. That's why a lot, a lot of companies try and avoid a Rockstar release date. And we're going to have a see later this month, we're going to see a huge surge of games that put themselves off to February in part trying to dodge these other events. Uh, and some of those reshifted because Anthem is the next big release that people are anticipating. And we'll see how that goes. Cause I know their demo was very rocky. Yeah. I, I, I heard that as well. That's sometimes what happens, but that's the end of the show. So as a reminder to folks, if you want to reach out to us, you can email us eclectic gamers podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us at facebook.com slash eclectic gamers podcast. We're available on Twitch and Instagram and, uh, Twitter as eclectic underscore gamers. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again in two weeks. Until then, I'm Dennis. I'm Tony. Goodbye.